You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The HIPAA privacy rule takes critical steps to ensure that privacy and security be built into the policies and practices of healthcare providers, plans, and others involved in healthcare. Despite the law's clear purpose and scope, a lack of widespread and consistent public education, training, and technical assistance has given rise to a number of persistent and destructive myths. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today, Jim Bream, an attorney with the offices of Query and Harrow. Jim concentrates on the defense of hospitals, managed care organizations, and physicians in professional liability programs. He has handled cases in the trial and appellate courts and is a featured speaker and guest lecturer on various healthcare and legal medical issues. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. Let's talk HIPAA. Let's talk HIPAA. Uh, I'd like to start with a joke. Excellent. Jim, knock, knock. Who's there? HIPAA. HIPAA who? Can't tell you. Uh-oh. Oh, no. All right, we're going to have to whisper, I think, for the rest of the show because, you know, this is all about security and privacy. Correct. No names. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you know what HIPAA actually stands for? No, but I met a girl at a party named HIPAA, and it's a very strange name, so I'm curious what HIPAA actually means. All right, you tell me if this is right or wrong. Does HIPAA stand for the health industry paying all attorneys? Well, I think that's actually what HIPAA has been good at doing. I think the creation of HIPAA helped uh, a few groups, consultants and attorneys. I don't think it's really done much for medical offices or hospitals. I have another one for you. Okay. Does HIPAA stand for the highly intricate paperwork in abundant amounts? I think, I think so, yes. How about high income potential for aggressive attorneys? Again, yes. <laughs> How about having impact past all assumptions? That's a good one. I don't know what it means, but I like it. Then, of course, there is the uh, those who have written that HIPAA stands for the Health Insurance Pain in the Ass Act. I think uh, I think all of those are excellent acronyms. Unfortunately, what HIPAA really stands for is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. And what it did is effective April of 2003, April 14th specifically. So it took how many years to enact? It did. And we're, we're here four years later still talking about HIPAA and whether or not practices have implemented it. But it did bring sweeping changes to the healthcare industry. It was prompted by a consumer demand for privacy. And it applies to covered entities. It protects medical records, and other individually identifiable health information. So you're saying the, the patients wanted this? Certainly, because what patients started to hear about was a sharing of information, of private information, through payors, insurance companies, to the drug companies, where patient information was being exchanged sometimes at a price, and it provided information out to other industry to be able to utilize that information in marketing patients. Well, talking about the use of uh, prescribing habits, I still think the, the um, pharmacies are still selling that data to the pharmaceutical industry. They may not be using names of the patients, but they're still listing our prescribing habits. Is that not true? Pharmacists are covered under HIPAA. In fact, our first question that we need to ask is, are you a covered entity? And that's the question that the healthcare providers need to uh, ask in, in order to determine whether HIPAA regulations apply to them. And in examining that question, we uh, look to the definition under HIPAA. Uh, a covered entity is a healthcare provider 
who is a provider of care, services, or supplies related to the health of an individual, such as me, a social worker, okay. you, yes, a, a psychiatrist, good one, you, yes, a chiropractor, not me, not you, a physician, that would be you, yes, and a pharmacist, as we just discussed. A uh, person or entity that furnishes, bills, or is paid for health care in the normal course of business. So what about a, a durable medical equipment dispenser? Well, if they're providing a service uh, pursuant to a prescription from a physician, then they do have HIPAA concerns that they need to follow. And in actuality, HIPAA has something that is termed a business associate. And a business associate, or BA is somebody who works with a provider of health services. And typically what will happen is the covered entity will require the BA to execute a business associate agreement mm -hmm. where they too agree to abide by the terms of HIPAA. So if I understand it, that this law was put in place to give the consumer or the patient some confidence that when they talk to their doctor or file a claim with their insurance company, that that information won't be used against them. Yeah, used against them, used for them, uh, used about them, or used in some way that they don't want used. And the whole idea here is protecting the privacy of the individual. That was the momentum behind the HIPAA legislation. You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and we're talking with Jim Bream, attorney and featured speaker today about HIPAA. Who is covered, who's not covered, what it means, what it's all about, facts and myths. Jim, I think HIPAA is uh, yet again a government creating a knee-jerk reaction, responding with overregulation, and having no clue how it will play out in the real world. Well, we need to look at a balance of interests here. I think what we have is a real need to protect privacy, but perhaps the question is, is in the implementation of the act, did the people who wrote it understand uh, what it was going to take to enforce it or to implement it? Did they think that doctors would greet them with roses and uh, embrace them for freeing them? No, but I think we can all agree that there are some aspects of HIPAA which are uh, meritorious. Certainly, we can agree that curbing conversations in an elevator are about a patient or discussing a patient's HIV status in an open waiting room is not a desirable practice for healthcare providers. I agree. At the same time, making it in, in the form of implementation such that you as an office need to have a HIPAA security officer and you need to have certain paperwork and you need to have signage all around your office and you need to, to, to spend a lot of time in terms of assessing the chart and making and accounting for people that have requested information and where you have dispersed information under HIPAA, you're now taking away from your practice. And I, I do think that physicians have a legitimate concern anytime they in their private practice are asked not to care for patients. All right. So I'll give you that, that there is a, a kernel or two of goodness in the HIPAA Act. But it seems that it's gone a little too far. Uh, if you go to a hospital, 
You can't see patients' names on charts, and I think what happens is the nurses put the wrong chart on the wrong door. The doctor walks in. He doesn't know what patient he's looking at. He assumes it's that patient, and it's actually the patient next door's vital signs and makes a decision based on inaccurate information because there's no name there. What do you think about that, Jim? Well, now we're talking about some systems issues, aren't we? Uh, HIPAA is here to stay. So if... Are we going to win the war, Jim? If a covered, yeah, of course we're going to win the war. We have our government has yet to win the war on drugs, on cancer, on terror, but yet we're going to win this war on privacy. I think that the the war on privacy, the HIPAA battle, as we might call it, is one that is definitely winnable. And and who is the enemy here? How many how many doctors have been thrown in HIPAA jail? What have the HIPAA police done so far? Well, we're not really defining. We can't really define an enemy. The enemy might be the balance, the balance between a patient's right to privacy and a physician or healthcare provider's ability to practice. Let's go back to your example with respect to placing charts on the door or having charts accessible uh, in a hospital. Look, if you have certain systems implemented, you won't have this risk. Really, that's what computerized records are talking about in terms of logging on, needing a patient identifier, making sure that you have the right patient. In some ways, it's no different than drawing the ax on the limb that you're going to be operating on. There are systems that can easily easily be implemented in order to make sure that you are dealing with the right patient, but dealing with that patient in a, in a way in which the patient's privacy is protected. Are you an attorney? I have been known to be an attorney, yes. All right, Jim. Uh, what kind of information is protected who can I talk to and when? HIPAA addresses PHI, Protected Health Information. It covers all individually identifiable health information. In other words, information I can tie to you as the patient. It's information that's transmitted electronically, maintained in an electronic medium, or in any other form. I got a question. Sure. Patients at the front desk checking in. Can they write their name anymore on a check-in piece of paper? I'm sure, as you know, there's stationers who are now making a fortune off of <laughs> HIPAA-approved stationery. Uh, and what, what happens with that is that, yes, you can write your name to check in, but it's either a tear-off or something that needs to be obliterated so you can't identify the name for other patients right. that are coming in afterwards. And let's say my front desk needs to know this patient's Social Security number. Do they have to whisper it? Do they have to telepathically give it to each other? I think that, again, we apply sort of a, a reasonableness rule. You shouldn't be asking a patient to bark out their Social Security number when there's other people that are immediately next to them. There's some easy alternative means to provide that. Typically, that's only going to happen once when the patient has an initial encounter with your office, and they can write that on a form which they can fill out privately. So there's a patient standing at the front desk. The phone rings, another patient's calling, and uh, they, my front staff has to ask them their name. And, uh, you know, what if they by, by accident just repeat their name? Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones, the doctor's with a patient right now. I mean, it's, it's virtually impossible to always prevent human error or just normal behavior, it, unless we put walls up everywhere. It seems like... The government loves building walls, and then it loves telling people to tear down those walls. Well, you know, we're looking at the office staff having a duty to protect privacy. 
if they inadvertently speak out a patient's name, Mrs. Jones, in reality, what's going to happen? I don't think you're going to have the HIPAA SWAT team coming down on your office. But if you, for instance, have your staff barking out loud, uh, hey, Dr. Caskell, I want you to know that Mrs. Jones is on the phone with that large boil on her face again, you have a HIPAA concern. Please don't use my name and no boils. (laughs) All right, so you mentioned the SWAT team. How many members are there in the HIPAA SWAT team? Well, rather undefined, isn't it? There is not a lot of litigation out there concerning HIPAA to date, although there have been claims that have been filed for privacy violations. One can claim a privacy violation under HIPAA, but also claim one uh, under common law or state statutes. Jim, thanks for coming on the show today. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.